Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest Eye Clarity episode. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Sam and I'd like to welcome you to another Eye Clarity podcast. As part of the summit series, you know, I'm organizing the Whole Health Summit January 14th to the 16th, 2022, and I'm having the speakers on my podcast. And today we are blessed to have Dave Gibson and he is an expert on one of my most, um, I don't know, sought after subjects that that I'm learning about is sleep. So he coaches people on sleep. Uh, I saw on his Instagram that perfect night's sleep in four weeks. So that sounds really pretty cool. He teaches workshops. He does individual sessions. And he's joining us today from London. Uh, Dave, welcome to the program. I want to thanks, thank you for joining us. So My pleasure, Dr. how Sam. did you get in? Oh, yes. So how did you get into um, this topic? Uh, love to hear your story. I know my listeners would. So uh, give us a little background on who you are. I had, a, I had a personal need and a professional need to crack it. I mean, my, my, my background is that I, I, I escaped advertising in my early 30s to become an osteopath. And in advertising, I used to drink a lot to get myself to sleep and I'd quit the booze and there, there I was lying awake, not able to sedate myself. So I had to relearn the art of sleeping. And I realized that I'd never really invested in it. As, as a child, I was sort of allowed out late at night to play in bands. So I'd, I'd developed a habit of being underslept and coping with it. And equally on my mum's side, she's a very poor sleeper. And we, we, we've got a 30% chance of inheriting our parents' sleep genes. And it's one of the questions I always ask somebody when they come to me as a patient, you know, what's your mum and dad sleeping like? When did you start sleeping badly? And, you know, you, you open up a, a Pandora's box when you look at your own genetics. And if you've got good genetics, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're, on, you're on a winning lick, wicket more often than not. Anyway, when mm-hmm. I started to work as an osteopath over 20 years ago, I suddenly found that more people had sleeping problems than bad backs. You know, and I was talking about wow. stress management, time management mm-hmm. and the more mm-hmm. the more we started using mobile technology it seemed that the worst our sleep was getting you know so there was a mm-hmm. there was a tipping point that we got to about a decade ago where mm-hmm. all of a sudden people are noticing that their health is suffering because they've gone below a sort of sustainable threshold we've gone from being underslept on occasion to be chronically underslept long term and then things started to go wrong health-wise and emotionally-wise. Got it. Wow. Um, so, so, many, so many factors involved in sleep, and I didn't realize the 30% in the genetics, but um, you know, it makes total sense. I mean, in my field, in eye care, I ask about genetics because there is a, 
you know, there is that gene that when it gets triggered in a certain way, environmentally or through diet or stress, that we have a higher risk. So um, you talked about the screens, the, the electronics. Uh, how do you see that playing into people having difficulty with sleep? I think what it's done is it, it has two effects. One is the sort of psychological effect of being attached to stimulation very late in the day. And then the other is the physical part of it, which is called blue light. The blue light mm -hmm. is easier to control because what happens is when, when you get a hold of a screen like this or an iPad or a, or a PC, the, the wavelength of light that it emits mimics the same blue that is emitted from the sun first thing in the morning. That's designed to wake us up. The alternative is when you shine blue light into your eyes, it fires a receptor and it blocks the production of melatonin. So it stops us being able to produce a, a signal that, that, that produces melatonin from the pineal gland in the mm -hmm. brain. And melatonin is regarded as the sleep hormone. It's the, it's the hormone mm -hmm. that gives us the desire to sleep. You know, when you're sort of lying on the couch and all of a sudden you feel like you're gonna nod off. If you're like me mm -hmm. at my age, you sort of have to sort of, okay, it's time for bed. And one of the ways that we know it's time for bed is when we feel like we're gonna we're gonna crash, and that that is yeah. that's melatonin. It gives us the desire for sleep. The need for sleep mm -hmm. is another mechanism that builds up during the day. It's the one that we block with caffeine, and that's called adenosine, and that that sort of accumulates through the day in the brain, and it tells us that we need sleep. That desire for sleep is blocked. You can put the blue light filters on it. That's fine. But what the other side of it is that we are mentally at attached to mobile devices, devices too late at night. And that is stimulating yeah. the brain. It's winding us up. And what happens right. with, with sleep is we're trying to get to a deep sleep quite quickly, quite efficiently. The more hyped up you are late at night, the harder it is to, to step down into sleep. You can't flick a switch and go to sleep. You have to, you have to nod off, not switch off. And that process mm -hmm. is, is, a, is a decline. You know, if you think about the prehistoric man in a cave, he wasn't going to be watching too much at night. He was downtime. You know, he, he was relaxing at night. They did some interesting mm -hmm. research recently in Tel Aviv. Um, they, they looked at people who used phones at night, particularly apps on phones at night, and they found that they were 60% mm -hmm. more likely to grind their teeth. Than, than people who just use mobile phones. And then when they asked the researchers why, they said fear of missing out. Ah. And it was like, once yeah. once you're attached to your phone, it's very hard to be unattached because there's so much going on. Yeah. And I I, I, mm -hmm. I go into companies and I teach, you know, the science of sleep and the tips of sleep. And when I do the stats, I, I ask people to fill in a questionnaire before. I would say categorically the 20% worst sleepers all use the mobile phone in bed. I would say it's very wow. rare, very wow. rare for you to be able to use this. I mean, not in the bedroom, I mean, in bed. Once you're on in this bed, in bed, yeah. it's sort of, it, it gets us hooked and we're overstimulated. Yeah, yeah. And I would say that we wouldn't be having a conversation about sleep being a problem if it wasn't for a mobile phone. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah, I, it's... You know, again, in my uh, my community, one of my challenges that I uh, recommend people do is 
take your phone, put it downstairs or put it in another room, shut off your Wi-Fi if you can, shut off your phone, um, get a break, uh, because you're absolutely right. I know people are scrolling in bed and they do it late at night, they do it early in the morning, and it, it's so disruptive in, um, you know, in our sleep cycle. So from your perspective, why do we need sleep? Why is it so important to us? It has a variety of effects on different cells, but every cell needs it. Firstly, when you look at the sort of immune system, it gets recharged at night. When you look at the brain, it detoxes at night. When you look at the, the effects of poor sleep, you get um, problems with your heart. So the body, the body needs it in terms of recovering the cells, in terms of we, we get a downtime for the cells to repair. We get the, the, the sort of the emotions, we get the, the consolidation of our memory. We get the creative thinking from sleep. So there's physical and emotional benefits of sleep, but every single cell goes into sleep mode. So there's a sort of, there's not, there's not one just, there's one, there's not just one reason, there's multiples, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the brain requires it, the body requires it, everything requires it, just to, to have mm -hmm. that recuperation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, and again, I know so many people who don't sleep well, and it affects their immunity, it affects their digestion, it affects their emotional health. And I've got a lot of questions here from my community. And I guess they're looking forward to having you on our health summit. We're here with Dave Gibson. He's a sleep coach. Uh, he's from the UK. He does workshops. Uh, he consults with uh, on a corporate level, and he's a real expert on sleep. And he's going to be talking about uh, sleep on our health summit, which is coming up uh, January 14th to the 16th. So why don't we go to our questions? Uh, we've got a number of them from our listeners. Uh, this is from Candice, and she is from California, and she's writing in: How does the diet? affect our sleep it, oh, great question great question when you look at the the, the content of of a, of a good diet you need certain vitamins and minerals the, the, the sort of if you get a balance of you know a mediterranean diet with all the colors of the sun in the vegetables and you know you'll find that that will give you enough the gut biome as well the, the gut bacteria need good gut bacteria gut bacteria go to sleep when we do they sleep in 90 minute sleep cycles like we do and they 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 create a lot of the a lot of the the um, serotonin that we need. So anyway, coming back mm -hmm. to to the importance of a good diet, it supplies the right minerals. So for example, magnesium is the one that you'd mm -hmm. traditionally associate deficiency with with poor sleep. Magnesium is an important one. Vitamin D, you need that to get the depth of sleep, and and then vitamin C. But all the minerals, in a way, the B vitamins. All the minerals and vitamins play a role in, in sort of creating the, the right effect for the brain. If you have a poor diet, what tends to happen is if you eat too much processed food, too much carbohydrates, it overstimulates you and you don't get to sleep at night well. And then when you, when you lack sleep, the hormones that control your um, hunger start to go haywire. So we get a decrease in the one that tells us we're full and we get an increase in the one that tells us we're empty. We get the munchies, we get cravings for very sugary, sweet and fatty foods. So the brain goes into panic mode 
it reckons that we mm. are in crisis. If if an animal's underslept, the brain goes, well, hang on a minute. Why would you be underslept? You must be in crisis. I better get you to feed more because that's the only reason you could possibly still be awake at this time of night. So it drives us into the fight or flight sy syndrome. It drives us to mm. eat more sugary and sweet food that then kick us into even poorer sleep. So we get this vicious circle. So a good diet provides the vitamins and minerals and including support in your gut biome. Gut biome is one of the biggest single supporters of a good night's sleep. So good diet drives good sleep, good sleep drives good diet. It's, it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Great. Um, all right, next question. This is from Jill and she lives in Vancouver, BC. And she says, I have seasonal affective disorder, and I think this is affecting my ability to sleep. What do you think? Yep, it can do, and it's, and it's, it's vice versa. With, with seasonal affective disorder, there's mm. certain things that you can do. First one is to get yourself one of those SAD lamps and get, get a good mm -hmm. one that gives you a dose of, of sunlight first thing in the morning. Of, and then also to look at something called 5-HTP. Go to your go to your to your local uh, health physician and, and look at whether that could help because 5-HTP is is a precursor of serotonin so that's something to consider. Look at your food. What what what, what we've realised is seasonal affective disorder runs in families. It's related to serotonin and light, but this is important, Doctor Sam. When we look at the amount of seasonal affective disorder that you can attribute to lack of light. Only 12% of it, when they've done research worldwide on the incidences and looking at light and, and, and people's effective sort of discomfort, if you like, or, or, or seasonal affective disorder, only 12% can be blamed on the sunlight. What happens huh. to us is when we get a lack of light in the winter, we naturally feel a bit lower. You know, we're not as buzzy, we're not going out as much. And we, we start to socialize less. We start to eat poorer food. We start to spend slightly longer in bed because it's a bit too cold and damp out there, particularly in London, not where you are. But we, we adapt our lifestyle and we, we change our social aspects in response to the lack of light that then make us feel depressed. So it's not actually the lack of sunlight. It's what we do in response to the lack of sunlight. So if we carried on mm. exercising, eating well, socializing, not staying too long in bed, eating all the right foods and doing the stuff that we did in the summer, we wouldn't feel the effects of seasonal affective disorder in the way that we do. Got it. Wow, that's great. Okay, let's take a question from Jerry. He follows me on TikTok and he is in Athens, Greece. And his question to you is, what's the difference between men and women and their sleep cycles? Wow, great one, great one. Women have poorer sleep than men, fact. Uh -huh. Women okay. actually, more women die of Alzheimer's than, than men, uh -huh. which is interesting because we now know that Alzheimer's is related to poor sleep. Now, what happens, we don't have the menstrual cycle, which is the biggest change in in a woman's sleep pattern because what happens is that with progesterone and estrogen there is different ways 
that that encourages mm -hmm. sleep. Progesterone is quite soporific. So when there's an increase in progesterone during the cycle, it's easier for women to get to sleep. Now, what happens is, A, we don't have childbirth. We've got, we, we don't have the, the menstrual cycle. We're, we're lucky in that way with regards to sleep. We don't have to, to, to have the burden of carrying a child. We don't tend to be the primary carer. So mm -hmm. women's sleep are disrupted by the menstrual cycle. It's disrupted by carrying a child. It's disrupt, disrupted by being the primary carer afterwards. And then it's disrupted by the change of life. All of those factors mm -hmm. disturb women's sleep more than men. So women tend mm -hmm. to get more disrupted sleep than men, period. That yeah, would be the uh, biggest I, single difference. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a great question. And um, okay, let's, let's go on to our next question. Um, this is from Bob. He lives in Boston. And he wants to know um, how exercise can improve our sleep exercise helps in a number of ways it, it increases our, our uptake of serotonin through the food so it's, it's great at pulling oh. in serotonin serotonin is required for making melatonin and it's a it's a hormone that's generally regarded as a, a feel-good mm -hmm. hormone in general it's mm -hmm. a it's a mood enhancer um the other thing mm -hmm. with with um with with exercise is the more we exercise the easier it is to to get more deep sleep when you look at mm -hmm. athletes, they tend to sleep longer than, than the average. So professional athletes, you know, when you look at people like Roger Federer and, and, and even um, Usain Bolt, they're, they're having eight, nine, ten hours sleep and more. So that they're, they're sleeping more than the average. So certainly, you know, Federer is, is, is ten hours. Bolt was ten hours. Bolt used to do a lot of napping as well. So when we, when we, when we drive the body harder with cardio particularly, we increase our ability to get deep sleep, which is the one that rejuvenates the body. So we get more of that sort of deeper sleep when we exercise more. We find it easier to get to sleep and certainly it sort of, it enhances it. Exercising too late at night though is something to be wary of, both in terms of increasing mm. your cortisol, increasing your body temperature. Mm -hmm. And also if you're doing it under bright lights, it tends to affect us if we're in a gym, in a bright gym. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But exercising first thing in the morning, going out, getting a bright sunlight first thing, and exercising sure. outdoors would be a great way of doing it. So we are here with Dave Gibson. He's a sleep coach. He's one of my featured speakers at my Whole Health Summit. And we have a question from Australia. This is Jason. And he wants to know, what are the best supplements to take? And he is underlying, should I take melatonin? Should I do CBD oil? I don't sleep very well. I think the answer for Jason is it's really to sort of start off by getting yourself onto a good diet like we were talking before to start with. Mm -hmm. So eating mm -hmm. a, a, a range of fruit and vegetables, it's about eating um Lots of stuff that, that drive your gut bacteria, so pro, pre, postbiotics, getting that sorted and really sort of looking at other stuff. So cutting down caffeine would be one way of making mm -hmm. sure that you, 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 you could get a better night's mm -hmm. sleep. Increasing the amount of exercise that you do. Learning meditation. There's lots of other avenues apart from diets to sort of look at why I'm, I'm not sleeping and looking at meditation being as one of the great things in terms of allowing us to to wind down slowly and to switch off properly 
Um, with regards mm -hmm. to supplements, I tend to, to use melatonin as a last resort. Older people mm -hmm. tend to benefit more from it, but certainly if you're under the age of 30, it wouldn't be something to consider as a, a first line melatonin. It's something that the body produces normally in enough quality. And it, it's really to look at the amount of light that you're exposing yourself to, to really mm -hmm. have dim lights late at night, to give yourself mm -hmm. the best opportunity to produce it. Um, eating um, foods that contain tryptophan, which is an amino acid that produces serotonin, that then produces a melatonin is useful. So, mm -hmm. and eating those with carbohydrates. So having a, a turkey sandwich or milk and honey late mm -hmm. at night. Valerian, mm -hmm. I quite like as, as, a, as, a, as a sort of herb. It's a reasonable one, but mm -hmm. I would say, you know, if you were worried about, you know, what, what things my diet could lack, traditionally it's magnesium is the yeah. one that, that people sure. would take for sleep. CBD oil, some people love it. Some people don't respond to it very well at all. It's one of those suck it and mm -hmm. see things. But I get all the other mm -hmm. bits right first and then look at what you should add sure. to it. So that sure. would be the better way of doing it. Uh, so um, I, there's a question here from Caitlin. She lives in Florida and she says that she practices uh, Ayurveda. And so she's following that particular medical theme. And her question to you is, uh, what is the best time to eat dinner so it won't affect my sleep? Anywhere from three to three to four hours, but at least okay. three hours before, before you, you go, go to sleep. sleep, at least three hours. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, she she's a viewer, uh, a follower of mine, and, and she wrote me a long email, and she says that sometimes she and her husband will go out to dinner like eight, you know, 8.30 at night, and she has trouble sleeping. And then if she eats at six o'clock, um, she has less trouble sleeping. So um, that's kind of what's behind that. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on that in terms of, go ahead. Yeah, no, I would say categorically, you know, if you eat and drink alcohol close to bedtime, you're disrupting your sleep. So certainly mm -hmm. three to four hours for both would be, would be, would be ideal. So certainly, um, mm -hmm. you know, getting, getting that sort of, opportunity to get your digestion out of the way and then to sort of unpack it earlier in the evening 100 percent 100 percent great I, I appreciate that and, and so does she so we're coming down to the end of uh, our our interview uh do you have any um kind of golden nuggets things that you might say to people whether it's on a corporate level on a you know performance level uh how they can improve their sleep what what are some of your you know go tos? Control the light. Control your exposure mm -hmm. to light. Get it very bright mm -hmm. first thing and very dim at night. We're learning more and more that the circadian rhythm is really driving itself through light. Don't go to sleep too late. We've all got this idea that we're night owls. We're not. Very few people are traditionally night owls. They've done some research mm -hmm. recently on heart disease and, and optimum sleep time. Best mm -hmm. time to go to sleep for most of us is between 10 and 11 o'clock at night. It's early mm -hmm. compared to what mm -hmm. we would like it to be, you know, and when, mm -hmm. when I, when I, when I, particularly this is a problem with men is, you know, you get a man coming and goes, do I really need eight hours? Cause I can get by with six and it makes me, you know, mm -hmm. I'm more of a man mm -hmm. if I can do it in six, aren't I? And I go, well, <laughs> no, not really. It's just yeah, that you, exactly. you, you believe you are, you're not, you know, 
The, the best way yeah. of going to sleep, if you know, the, the way to know you've had enough sleep is to go to bed with, go to bed when you feel tired on a regular basis and wake up without an alarm. Then you know that your body's waking you up, not mm-hmm. you're waking mm-hmm. you up. Your body is. So to, to go to sleep without an alarm is the, the sort of holy grail, if you like. Control your light. Don't overstimulate yourself at night. Do something that's a hobby that gets you in the flow. Learn to meditate. So, you know, learn to relax at night. Don't drive yourself like a steam train at night. And when you start the day, think about how you're approaching the day. Because when you approach the day, you include your evening with it. And you know, people know when they wake up, they know they're gonna, they know they're gonna cut it short. You know what I mean? They know that they've got too yeah. much on. They know, you know, I, I typically, typically it's, it's it, and we talked about women's sleep. Part of the issue in the current environment, and I get a lot of women clients for osteopathy, hypnotherapy for sleep, they're, they're all getting shredded because not only they're the dual income earner, not only they're they working from home, they're doing more of the childcare, they're doing more of the school runs, they're doing more of the cooking. And women are women constantly are time poor. And I'll say to any mm-hmm. woman that's listening to this, get your get your other half mm-hmm. to do their fair share, please. Because yes, when yes. we set up our day, we know whether we got too much on. And part of it is planning your day so you can have a reasonable day where you're in charge, not the days running you. If you're doing that, you can allow yourself enough time to wind down properly. And you can't mm-hmm. do that to go to sleep. We nod off. We don't crash out. And people who say, yeah. do you know what? My head hits the pillow. I'm asleep. Aren't I great at getting to sleep? No, you're sleep deprived. If you take yeah. less than, than, than five minutes to get to sleep, technically, that's too quick. It should take you a little bit of time. Because mm-hmm. back in the wild, you'd be checking out whether it was safe to nod off. You'd be listening for the sounds of nature. It would take you a little bit of time to, to nod off slowly. If you crash out, you're probably sleep deprived. So plan your day to allow yourself enough time to wind down at night and to relax into sleep rather than expect to sort of crash out mm-hmm. at night and really allow enough time yes. for it. It's, 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 you know, there was a guy called Matthew Walker and he said, you know, when people ask you, why should you sleep? When you look at what sleep does for you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you should be asking yourself, why should I bother being awake? Because your body benefits a lot more from being asleep than it does being awake. That's right. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, so, Dave, how can people get in touch with you? And um, g- give us your contact info. Well, my website's called thesleepsite.co.uk. Hopefully there's a lot of blogs on there with some topics yeah. covered, like snoring and how to breathe through your mouth. It's really good, by the way. Pardon? Yes. It's really good, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I've, it's called I've thesleepsite.co.uk. Then, then I'm on Instagram at Dave Sleep Expert. You know, but please, you know, look me up. So, you know, it'd be a pleasure yeah. to ask and answer any questions that you've got. It'd be a real privilege. Oh, yes, very, very, very good. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, check Dave out. He's got um, an amazing amount of information. He's going to be one of our featured speakers in my upcoming summit. Dave, thanks so much for your time. Uh, I wish you the best. And uh, we'll see you again. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. 
If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.